know what I've put up there before, you know, yeah, you better check it, because, <laughs> well, you know. Yes, build my life. I, I, I forgot that part. I had everything else, but I forgot that part. But yes, build, build my life. Not, nope, not oceans. Build my life. You want, you want to try that, at least that intro part again, for, for do it again? Or, oh, I'm, right, right, so, yeah. No, I'm not going to start the click first. Apparently people can hear the click. <laughs> yeah. I mean, once we start playing, you know, you can't. Well, and I thought, normally, I had this one out. Button on there that can put it on mono so you only hear it out of one side. I had hit that button so this plane right here. So that's what I was thinking. Oh, that's probably why they're hearing it, is because this is so close and maybe. Yes, that's it. 
it, 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 it will. It will. So, um, we have other... Yes. There are other sounds. Like, there's an electric... There's an electric one. That's like a black? Or they, maybe that's... He says amen. That's when you can start with that. Yeah. I've seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe I'll see you do it again. I'll see you do it again. See you move. You move the mountains. And I believe. I'll see you do it again. You made a way when there was no way. And I believe. I'll see you do it again. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in your hands, and this is my confidence. You never fail. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence, you never failed me yet. I don't think you need the hat, I have to. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Let's try it without. Just, we went back and forth on that one too. But, yeah. I think no. I think it's just adding the snare because it's still it's still the beat going on, and then it's once we get into it, the snare just kind of adds a drive to it. So, and then if you're like, nope, it's missing it, throw it in, throw, throw the hi hat back in. Yeah. So okay. So we'll start with build my life. This should be five minutes and fifteen seconds. 
All right, we're going to do Build My Life. You move the mountains and I believe I'll see you do it again made away when there was no way and I believe I'll see you do it again see you move you move the mountains and I believe I'll see you still stands great is your faithfulness faithfulness I'm still in your hands this is my confidence you've never failed your promise still stands great is your faithfulness faithfulness still in your hands this is my confidence you've never failed me no what do you want okay Yeah. Hmm. I think I got the mono figured out. Mono for the for the stream. It's it's just it's okay. How much can we move on? It's a setting in OBS. You could sit, you could set the input to be mono. Yeah. Battery's dead. What'd you bring it for? All right, so five, five fifteen roughly. Yeah. So we'll start with five minutes. Yeah. Cool. Yes, five twenty-five. Five-minute break. Ready to go. I'm glad you braved the elements. Um, one of the things that we're doing is trying to fine-tune a little bit our sound and things like that, and so you may experience some changes in some moments this this morning um, with the sound, and people at home may experience that same thing. That's okay. That's just part of refining and, and, and doing the best um, that we can do. Uh, a couple of things that I wanted to talk to you about, and that is our lunch for the third and fourth graders. Look, that's going to go ahead as far as Laura making herself available there, all right, even with all the, all the weather. Well, you can see outside, you know, here it comes. Um, obviously, you guys are the parents. Make your best judgment, all right? That's, that's how that works. Collide, I talked to Cody about this last night. We talked about it again this morning. Uh, we're going to see what happens. Um, 
when you have uh, some teenagers driving around hither and yon, that's something you've got to take seriously when the weather's like this. Um, and so we're going to let this play out just a little bit longer and see what actually happens with the weather. And uh, then you'll get that phone call or that email or that Facebook notice, depending on what's going to happen. Uh, we know what might happen, and so we just want to be, we want to be careful about that stuff. It's not worth anybody getting hurt. Um, we have, over the past couple of weeks, had a chance to begin to ask the question about service in the kingdom of God. And, and I want you to, right now, just, just take out of your minds a job in the church, all right? Forget about that. That's not what we're talking about. That's, that's, not, that's not where we're at yet, okay? What we're talking about is the grander service in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Whether it's here on Sunday morning or it's at work on Monday morning. Doesn't make me any difference. To live out this service in Christ's kingdom. Am I able to do that? Am I fit to do that? We, we're, we, we want to make sure that not only are we fit, but we want to see how that relates to our eternal life. And I think it's just a fun play on words, our eternal survival, survival of the fit. Survival of the fit. This is on the front of your bulletin, this particular verse. In John chapter 13, when Jesus had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes, returned to his place. Do you understand, he says, what I have done for you? Do you understand what I've done for you? Let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for the opportunity to read your word, to study it, to know it, to apply it to our lives. We do thank you, Father, that, that we get, we get a, a mission. We get a purpose. Everybody in this room gets a purpose, bigger and, and broader and beyond anything else. We get to wake up every day knowing that every moment counts for something. It means something. I thank you for that. I, 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 that's, that's an incredible gift, Father. I thank you for that. Help us, Father, to, to know how important this is to our eternal lives and the eternal lives of people around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're coming from Luke chapter 9. Again, that's our scene that we've set. We won't actually be in those verses very much today, but we're coming from that same story. Jesus is walking along, and three guys uh, approach him at different times, uh, and they say, hey, look, I'm going to follow you, but not right now. I mean, that's basically what they say. I'm going to follow you, but there's some other stuff in life. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to serve the kingdom, but not right now. And, and ultimately, Jesus gets to this place where, at least with the third man, and, and really I think this is for everybody in this story, he says anybody who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for service. I don't want Jesus to look at me and say, you're not fit for service. I forget about preaching on Sunday morning. I don't care if I, you know, if I don't ever preach again. I'm talking about whether I'm at work on Monday, whether I'm at play on Friday night. Yeah, yeah play on Friday night, whatever it is. 
I want to serve and be fit to serve Jesus Christ. I want to be fit to serve in the kingdom. I want Jesus to look at me and all my faults and all my failures and all my problems and say, that's my kind of guy. He can serve. We ask the question, do we want to be fit? Last week, that's what we said. Do we want to be fit? Do you you want to identify yourself, your life, with serving Jesus Christ? Because remember, we could teach a lot of things. We could teach why, and we could teach why it's important, and what happens when we desire to be fit. But the desire can't be taught. The desire can't be taught from anyone else. I mean, you may have some conversations, and you may have some folks open your eyes and your mind, but the desire itself only rests with you. Nobody else. Do you want to be counted in that number? Do you want to serve Jesus? So then we ask the question, am I fit for service? If I want to serve, am I fit for service? And again, right now, forget about in what capacity. Just, just put that out of your minds. We're not, talking, we're not there yet. Am I fit for serve? Uh, fit to serve? Because if we think about the specific area or the specific calling or the specific job, when we're wondering if we're fit to serve, it can get us distracted. In fact, it can give us lies. We can think that perhaps we're not fit to serve. I don't know. Maybe you're asking yourself if you're fit to serve in the kingdom. And you come in here and you sit down and, and you, 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 you hear Wes play a song and, and, and sing a song. And you say to yourself, well, I can't do that. Maybe I'm not fit to serve. Okay, so forget about the specifics. Because it can also take us the other way. Well, I'm not real keen on this Jesus guy. I'm not totally sold out on him. But there's a couple of things I might be able to do for some other people. Maybe I'm fit to serve in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. You don't serve the things you don't believe in. You have to believe in Jesus and his message. So forget about in what capacity. Just ask yourself if you're fit to serve. Remember, it was Einstein that said, look, everybody's a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, he's always going to think he's a loser. Always going to think he's a failure. Forget about the specifics. We'll get there right now. Am I fit to serve? Number one, if I'm asking the question, if I'm fit to serve, do I believe in Jesus of the Bible? Do I believe in Jesus of the Bible? It is unfortunate but necessary to add of the Bible to this question. Human beings have a tendency, you and I have a tendency even, to make their own picture of what Jesus ought to be. Right? Make their own picture. Or make their own picture of how Jesus ought to act or or how we think or what he think we ought to say. Here's the problem. If that's how we picture Jesus, we're not giving our lives to Jesus. We're giving our lives to a figment of our imagination. That's it. Nothing more. Don't trust your eternal survival to a figment of your imagination. Know who Jesus is through Scripture. Colossians chapter 1, this is a picture Starting in verse 13, he rescued us from the dominion of darkness, that is God the Father, and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's the Jesus we're talking about. 
the Son is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. That is, he has the authority, he has the power. He wasn't created, he was begotten, but he's the firstborn. For in him all things were created. In Jesus all things were created. Heaven and earth, visible and invisible, thrones, powers, rulers, authorities, whatever you could think of, all things were created through Jesus and by Jesus and for Jesus. He's before all things, and in him everything holds together. He's the head of the body, by the way. He's the boss here. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. He died and rose again, didn't he? And he did that before us. He's the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything, he is king. He has supremacy. That's the Jesus of the Bible. And you can continue to read in Colossians chapter 1, Paul laying out the gospel message based upon the real life Jesus Christ. Do you believe in Jesus of the Bible? Some people may ask, well, isn't this the same thing as desiring to serve Jesus? Isn't that the same thing? I mean, if I want to serve in the kingdom, doesn't that mean that I believe in Jesus? Well, let's not get too quick. There was a guy in Scripture named Judas wanted to participate in the ministry of Christ, participated in the ministry of Christ and service to Jesus Christ. He accepted the call of Jesus Christ, but he didn't believe Jesus. He didn't believe in what Jesus was saying, what Jesus was telling. We know that from the very end of his life. He didn't have that kind of faith. We're led to certainly believe that in the summary of his life. Acts chapter 1, verse 24, verse 24, then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. This is when they're replacing Judas. Show us which of these two you've chosen to take over the apostolic ministry with Judas left to go where he belongs. Well, I have a desire, right, to serve the kingdom. I have a desire to serve Christ. I have a desire to be a part of that ministry. Well, so did Judas, but he didn't give his life to Jesus. He didn't care about that. He didn't believe in Jesus. Simon the sorcerer is another great example in Scripture. In Acts chapter 8, he wanted to participate in this ministry. He wanted to participate in what the apostles were doing. He went so far as to even try to buy a part of this ministry, a detestable thing. I'll pay money, therefore I'll be a part of this ministry. I'll pay money, therefore I'll do the same work as the apostles. He was cast out of that ministry for trying to do such a detestable thing. He didn't believe in Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 8, when Simon saw the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, give me also so this ability, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, may your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry. That's not what Simon wanted. (laughs) The desire was there somewhere, somehow, but he was more interested in the power that they were showing rather than belief in Jesus Christ. Fortunately, not always lost in his life in verse 22. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. Do you believe in Jesus of the Bible? When you read through this, when you hear people talk about it, when you think about Jesus, God the Son, do you say to yourself, this stuff is true. I don't know everything about it, but I know that this stuff is true. Desire to serve is not the same thing as believing 
in Jesus of the Bible. That's step number one, to believe in Jesus of the Bible. It's not the same thing as trusting Jesus with our lives. It's not the same thing as, as using Jesus for our very identity. Which, by the way, leads us to another question. Question number two, not just have I, do I believe in Jesus of the Bible, but have I made the decision to give my life to Jesus? Have I made the decision to give my life to Jesus? Do I trust him? I may believe in him, but do I trust him? Am I willing to carry my cross? And we've talked about this at length before, right? Carrying your cross is not just going through hardship. That's not what that means at all. That's how we use it, but that is completely 100% not what that means. All right, well, it's my cross to bear. No, it means dying to self. That's what carrying your cross means, dying to self. You die to self, and you give your life over to Jesus Christ. Am I fit to serve the eternal kingdom of God? Am I fit to serve Jesus? Do I believe in Jesus? Now do I take it the next step and give my life to him? Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 59, he said to another man, follow me. But he replied, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. You go and proclaim the kingdom of God. In other words, look, I want to serve you eventually someday, but not now. I want to serve the kingdom of Jesus Christ, but I'm not willing to go through my own death, burial, and resurrection. And it's important to make this distinction when wondering if we are fit for service. Because being fit for service in the the kingdom of God is the same thing as serving Jesus Christ. Jesus is the boss, I'm not. Jesus is the master, I'm not. You've already heard probably many times in your life what the Bible says about serving two masters. Serving two masters. I want to serve Jesus Christ. Have I given my life to Jesus Christ? Because we cannot serve two masters. You're going to end up loving one and hating the other. Loving one, despise the other. Matthew chapter 6, no one can serve two masters. Either you hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and mammon. Now let's not get distracted on the word mammon here. Because we got many other masters besides. Anything that you allow to dictate your life is your master. Mainly ourselves. Or our pride. Our fear. Our comfort. Our station, position, title, reputation. On and on and on and on. Maybe you've done that. I know I have. It takes a good look in the mirror sometimes. This is what I'd like to do. But my reputation, or my position, or my title, or my fear says, no, you're not. And what do we say to that master? Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I guess that's it. We get beat down by that master instead of lifted up by the master, Jesus Christ. So you can believe in Jesus, but have you given your life to Jesus? You can't serve two masters We think we can. Sometimes. We think we can serve two masters. Because it coasts along for a while. I'm going to serve Jesus and I'm going to serve me. And we're in step. And it seems like this is working out very well. In fact, you may go through a day. 
of serving Jesus and serving you and turn around and say, look, preacher, see, I can do that. Eventually, you're going to be out of step. Eventually, Jesus and you are going to clash. Eventually, Jesus and your pride or your fear or your whatever it is are going to clash. And I guarantee you, Jesus and your reputation are going to clash pretty, pretty quick. Pretty quick. We can't serve two masters. So I believe in this stuff in Scripture. I believe it's true. Now do I give my life to it? Or am I still the master of my life? See, Jesus wants us to come into his service. He says, if you're going to come into my service, you're going to serve me. You're not going to serve you, you're going to serve me, says Jesus. After all, isn't that our purpose that we looked at last week, Romans chapter 12? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. This is holy and pleasing. This is reasonable for God. This is your true and proper worship. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you're going to be able to test what Jesus' will is. Then you're going to be able to test what he wants for you in your life. Then you're going to be able to test what this service is and what it's like. You give your life to Jesus Christ. Speaking of being transformed, now we get into the sanctification part. The sanctification part, being perfected, being purified, the process of it. Number one, do I believe in Jesus? Number two, if I give my life to him. Number three, do I repent? Do I repent? And after looking at least at my own life, I specifically ask this question that way. Not, do, not have I repented, but do I repent? Not have I repented, but do I repent? We've talked about repentance before. Repentance is not just a single moment. See, sometimes that's what we relegate repentance to or, or ceremony. You know, I, I stand up in front of the church, I accept Jesus Christ, which is good and wonderful, and that's true, and I'm baptized into the body of Christ, my death, burial, and resurrection, so on and so forth. And I make that decision right there to repent, to change my direction. All that stuff is good. But we need to do it every day. Repentance is a change in the velocity of your life. It's a change in direction. Notice the last man, Luke chapter 9, verse 61, still another said, I will follow you, Lord, listen now, but first let me go back. I'll follow you, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. You see, one of the reasons it's hard to serve the kingdom of Jesus Christ is because Jesus wants to go in one direction, we want to go in the other. Sometimes we'll even be tempted to double back on an old life or an old attitude or an old way of thinking. I want to tell you, one of the hardest parts of serving the kingdom of Jesus Christ is having the desire to serve, wanting to follow Christ, but not wanting to change. It comes together. It's a package deal. We change the direction of our life. And this happens daily. It happens moment by moment. Chance by chance. Temptation by temptation. Opportunity by opportunity. Sometimes we don't want to change. Sometimes we even go so far as to be proud of some of the things that Jesus hates. I've had those conversations. I've had those conversations with me. I talked to myself a fair bit. 
Sometimes we can even be proud of the things that Jesus hates. If repentance is a change in the direction of your life, we see that repentance happen and must happen all the time. This is how I would have treated someone. But now I'm going to treat someone differently. Why? Because I follow Jesus. Here's the thing. That temptation to go your own way, that temptation to go an old way, that's going to happen again tomorrow. I might have lost my temper before. But today in this situation, I'm not going to lose my temper because I serve Jesus. I might not even know who this person is, but I serve Jesus. Do you really think that's the last time you're going to be tempted with losing your temper? You need to repent again. And again and again and again and again. It's a change in direction. Sometimes people think repentance is an expression of sorrow or remorse. I think that's a part of it, but that's not what repentance is. And so if you're asking yourself, am I fit for service in the kingdom of God? The question is, do I repent? Is it a daily thing with me? Is it something in my life, a habit of, me, of mine? When I'm faced with that situation, I see how the old man would have done it. But now I'm changing direction. And then tomorrow, guess what? I'm going to be confronted with the same thing. And I'm going to have to do the same thing. And the same thing, and the same thing, and the same thing. Sanctification, we're getting purified, we're getting refined, we're being changed. If you want to know if you're fit for service, do I repent? That decision of repentance needs to be in the front of our minds all the, all the time. Number four, do I get to know Jesus? Do I get to know Jesus? This is harder than we might think, at least to make the decision to do it. I've said this before, I'll say it again. If a half hour on Sunday morning is the extent of your interaction with Jesus, you don't know him. Okay? You don't know him. There's a lot more to him than 30 minutes on Sunday morning. It is a lifelong walk with Christ. It's thinking about Him. It's talking to Him. It's listening when He speaks. It's obedience. It's experiencing life with Him and seeing what happens because of that experience. You get to know them. You get to know Jesus. Scriptural study, yes. Prayer, yes. Spiritual disciplines, yes. But really the point is sharing every moment of life together. We talked about this a little bit a couple of weeks ago. We used the example of Paul from Philippians. Remember that? I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. Participate in his sufferings. Think about that. This is how closely Paul wants to know Jesus. I want to participate in his sufferings. I want to do everything that Jesus is doing. I want to be a part of this, to walk along together. Become like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Look, I haven't, I'm not there yet, says Paul. I haven't obtained all this. But I keep trying. I keep moving towards my goal. I like what MacArthur says about that passage. To know Christ is not simply to have an intellectual knowledge about him. All right, Paul uses the Greek verb that means to know experientially or personally. It's the equivalent of a shared life with Jesus. That's what it means to know Jesus. And if I'm going to serve in Jesus' kingdom, I need to get to know Jesus. I didn't know the way he thinks. I need to know what he, the way he wants me to act, I, what he wants me to do, the way he wants me to think, the attitude he wants me to have. I mean, to, to just know Jesus 
from a couple of minutes a week or a month or a year, a couple of prayers here and there. It's like me being introduced to a person thinking I know everything about them. I don't know anything about them except for their name. Do I know what Jesus did? Yeah, he died for my sins. Well, I can be introduced to you and know who you are and what you do. I still don't know you. Do we get to know Jesus? Does he transform our life? Is this desire for us? Number five, am I fit for service? Can I be taught? Can I be taught? This is important. This is key. And I'll tell you, I want you to reflect back upon your own life and your own job outside of this church. It's the same criteria. When they're bringing you into the, the, the role or bringing you into the company or whatever it is, one of the things every smart employer asks is, can this person be taught? Can they grow? Can they learn? Are they able to be taught? But more to the point, am I willing to be taught? Am I willing to be taught? If you're willing to be taught, then you're in good company. The disciples were taught. They sat at the feet of Jesus day in, day out, listening to what he has to say. There's interactions we know that they have had that aren't even recorded in Scripture because of their continual teaching at the foot of Jesus. Paul went out into the wilderness by himself, being taught by Christ, being taught by the Holy Spirit. Apollos was taught, and many others. By the way, Paul started out as a brilliant man. And yet he still had to go into seclusion with the Spirit to be led more fully into the understanding of the gospel. Apollos is probably the best example we see in Scripture. Apollos was a teacher and a preacher. Now we're talking about someone who is being taught, needs to be taught, is willing to be taught. Apollos is a teacher and a preacher in Scripture. And not only that, he is well known. He is known far and wide for his ability to teach and the knowledge that he has But even Apollos was willing to be taught. Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man. We haven't gotten to the teaching part yet. He showed up a learned man. He showed up a pretty smart guy in Ephesus. With thorough knowledge of the scripture. Wait a minute. I I think I picked a bad example here. He showed up as a learned man. He showed up with thorough knowledge of the Scripture in Ephesus. He'd already been instructed in the way of the Lord in verse 25. Not only that, he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately. Maybe I did pick the wrong guy. Though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue when Priscilla and Aquila heard him. They knew he was in town. They knew his reputation. They wanted to go and listen. Priscilla and Aquila went to listen to him. They invited him to their home and did what? Explained to him the way of God more adequately. If anybody in Scripture doesn't need to be taught, you'd think it would be this guy. But no, even he took this opportunity for Priscilla and Aquila to sit him down and go through further instruction, change him, open his eyes, refine what he's doing. And what was the result? What was the payoff of all this? Verse 27, when Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. Listen now, when he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. 
For he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the Scripture that Jesus was the Messiah. So this bolstered, it helped, not only his ministry, this willingness to be taught, but those around him. He was a great help when he showed up. If you're not willing to be taught, then you're not fit to serve. That starts at the very beginning. I mean, we're taught about Jesus. We're taught who Jesus is. We're taught the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We're taught so many things. We're taught about the kingdom of God. If we don't want to be taught, then we're not fit to serve. Without being taught, we don't grow. We don't change. We go our whole lives not wanting to learn how to tie our shoes. And we wear Velcro all our lives. Or cowboy boots. By the way, I specifically chose not to wear boots because of that line right there. (laughs) Took me a while this morning, but I got it done. You're taught about everything else in life. Taught about your job. You're You're taught how to raise a family, raise kids. Right? First time you have a kid, you don't know what you're doing. After seven years, if you're like me, you still don't know what you're doing. But you learn a little more. You understand a little more. You're open a little more to being instructed. Are you willing to be taught? Being taught requires humility. Being taught requires humility. The understanding, some of the wisdom, some of the knowledge, some of the changes that we need to have in our lives come from people all around us. We need to be humble. We need to change because of it. Number six. Do I practice agape love? If I want to know, do I, will I practice agape love? And this is perhaps one of the biggest obstacles, but I would say the most important quality to meet the required purpose. Even more, I mean, come on, we've just talked about belief in Jesus. We've we've just talked about giving our lives to Jesus, didn't we? And and I'm going to stand here and say, your willingness, your ability to practice agape love is the most important quality to meet the required purpose. Remember what we talked about last week in 1 Corinthians 13? Remember that one? Paul saying, if I have faith, it can move mountains, but I do not have love. Look at that last line. Then I'm nothing. Nothing. Agape love. The decision to show love to the people you interact with. I'm not talking about genuine emotional affection here. All right? That develops. I'm not talking about storge. I'm not talking about phileo. I'm not talking about eros. That's between a husband and wife. I'm talking about agape. The decision to show love. What does Paul say? I can believe in Jesus. I can do all kinds of things. I can move mountains. I can tell a mountain, go from here to there, as Jesus says, right? Paul says, if I don't have love, I am nothing. That's what God says. I picture myself, right, standing before Jesus. Not in judgment. That doesn't happen, I don't think, with those who believe in Jesus. But he asks me, what have you done? Well, I was a preacher, you know, taught Scripture, raised my family to know who Jesus is. He says, no, 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 forget it. 
What have you done? What have you done? Okay, let's go a little deeper. Um, I've, I've changed. I've, I've watched my, my temper. I used to have a really bad temper. That's, that's being changed. I don't lie. Um, I, you know, all this, all that. No, no, no. <laughs> so far, you've talked about nothing. You understand that? So far, you've talked about nothing, says Jesus. The Word of God. What have you done? Have you shown people the same love that I show you? Because without that, says God, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. This is the most important part of being fit for service. And this is not genuine emotional affection. Again, that develops. But this is the decision in the kingdom of God to show love to the people around me. I want to tell you something. I've done that as hard as it is sometimes. And I've received it. I've received it recently. I've received it recently from people who had every right to be upset, but decided to show love to me in my presence. Incredible experience. Made the decision. That's the most important quality to meet the required purpose. This is where we get back to that initial verse, John chapter 13. When he finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes, returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done? Do do you get this, fellas, he says? Look, you call me teacher. In fact, more than that, he says, you call me Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant's greater than his master. This is Jesus doing this. No servant's greater than the master, nor is the messenger greater than the one who sent him. Verse 17. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Service. Love. You ever, you ever pray for Jesus to bless your life? Bless your family, bless your home, bless your endeavors? You ever do that? And then turn around and not do what he tells you? Right? God, bless this time, bless my life, bless my ministry, bless my ability to see and know that I am fit for service. He says, if you show agape love to those around you, point blank, you will be blessed in what you do. Well, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) I mean, clearly, there's got to be another answer, right? Jesus says, no, it's the love that you show to other people that ends up blessing your life as well, your ministry, your work whether it's here on Sunday mornings or whether it's your workplace on Monday mornings or whether it's your home, your family, your relationships between husband and wife, between parent and child, between co-workers, whatever it may be. You live a life of agape love, agape service. That's the most important quality. You want to know if you're fit for service. I recommend starting there. Am I willing Am I willing to show love to the people around me? The person I can't even stand sometimes. Am I going to show love to them? 
After all, without love, we're nothing. We're nothing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for this, this challenge right here. We thank you. We thank you also, Father, that we get the, get the opportunity right now as we leave this place, whoever we interact with, wherever we go, whatever we say, we get to, we get to put this into practice right away, right now. Father, help us to embrace everything that we have talked about here today. Most, most importantly, help us, help us, Father, to believe in what Christ says, how Christ says it, the direction he gives us, and our love that we show to others. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Please stand and say. I don't know that this is an exhaustive list, um, but remember, this is all a part of being fit for service. If you're not perfect at this stuff yet, don't stop. I'm not perfect at it. It is this pursuit. These are the things I want in my life so that I am fit for service. Let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for the love you've shown us today, uh, this gift of gathering, this gift of meeting together. Uh, the gift of your word, Father, that we can feast upon uh, every, every time, every moment, knowing more and more about Jesus. Father, I do ask that as we leave this place, one of these areas, one of these aspects, uh, we will think about. Even if it's one, we'll meditate on it. We'll roll over and over in our minds and want to pursue these things in our life. In Jesus' name, amen.
down from a broken sky, traced out by the city lights. My world from a mile high, best seat in the house tonight. Touchdown in the cold black top, hold on for the sudden stop. Breathing the familiar shock of confusion and chaos. All those people going somewhere. Why have I never cared? Give me your eyes for just one second. Give me your eyes so I can see everything that I keep missing. Give me your love for humanity. Give me your arms for the brokenhearted, the ones that are far beyond my reach. Give me your heart for the ones forgotten. Give me your eyes so I can see. Yeah. Busy street, see a girl in our eyes meet. Does her best to smile at me, to hide what's underneath. There's a man just to right, black suit and a bright red tie. Too ashamed to tell his wife he's out of work, he's buying time. All those people going somewhere. Why have I never cared? Give me your eyes for just one second. Give me your eyes so I can see everything that I keep missing. Give me your love for humanity. Give me your arms for the brokenhearted, the ones that are far beyond my reach. Give me your heart for the ones forgotten. Give me your eyes so I can see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At home, I, I told you I wanted to cover two things real quick. Number one, the third and fourth graders uh, are planning on having a gathering in uh, Bell Fountain today. As of right now, Laura is still making herself available for that. But whether or not you as a parent want to do that, that's up to you. That's, you know, obviously that's your call. You make that decision. Uh, if there's one, then they'll have a time together. If there's 20, they'll have a time together. Uh, that's, that's the first thing. She's still going to make herself available as of a conversation we, we had earlier. Second thing is Collide. Um, I'm trying to put it off as long as I can. Um, but when we have a bunch of... Uh, you know, 16, 17-year-old driving hither and yon, it's not worth getting hurt over. And so those things need to be taken seriously. Um, Cody's holding off as long as he can, but I think we're probably going to end up canceling that. The decision's not been made yet. Um, but just bear that in mind. Please bear that. He talked to me about it last night. We've been talking about it again and watching the weather all day today. Can't fight the weather, right? That's what you got to do. You got to do the best you can. So... Just keep that in mind as we move through the rest of the afternoon. Uh, this has been uh, just the beginning of, I think, what can be and has been uh, a 
a good lesson, a good lesson for me and a good lesson for others, and that is the, the seriousness and the opportunity, uh, but also the focus that we need to have when it comes to being fit, being spiritually fit, being fit to serve in the kingdom of Christ, all of these things, and, and, and what it means to our eternal life, and just for a play on words, our eternal survival, survival of the fit, what it means when it comes to teaching our homes and teaching our kids about growing up to be fit, growing up to be fit. All of these things we're going to end up talking about and encompassing. Four definitions, ultimately, of being fit. We've gone through three services so far, and still we're only on one definition of being fit. Uh, So this is going to continue on uh, for some time as we explore what Jesus is talking about when He says, look, anybody who puts their hand to the plow and turns back is not fit for service. And I want to tell you something. That's a scary prospect to me. For, I want you to run through that scenario in your own mind. If Jesus walks up to you and says, look, you're not fit for this. Not fit for this. You're not fit for service in this kingdom. You're not fit for service to me. That's a scary thing. And, and I want you to, certainly as we go into today, I want you to please, please, forget about right now, forget about the actual way in which you serve, okay? Forget about the actual capacity in which you're going to serve, right? I only want to address, am I fit to serve? Am I fit to serve? Forget about this place, these four walls, Okay, we're, we're talking about service in the kingdom on Sunday morning, but we're talking about service in the kingdom at work on Monday morning. We're talking about service, you know, in the kingdom uh, at play on Saturday night. Maybe. That can be a little sticky sometimes. No, we're talking about that too. We're talking about service in the kingdom. And am I fit to serve Jesus Christ? It's a powerful question. And it also has a lot to do with our eternal life and our eternal survival. Let's pray. Father, I thank you once again that we get, to, we get to be challenged here today. We get to be reminded, um, Father, or, or that uh, we get to be comforted in the things we cover today. I thank you, Father, that right now, today, if there are some of these things in your word that we haven't thought about, that we get, thank you for that. Thank you that we get that chance right now to begin to meditate on some of these things, think about these things and apply these things to our life. I thank you, Father, for this chance, this gift, this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. We will once again uh, be coming from Luke chapter 9. Now, that particular passage isn't going to be on your screen because we're not going to spend a whole lot of time specifically in Luke chapter 9, but Luke chapter 9 is the, the launch point for all of this. That's the question I've been wrestling with, and I mean this, over the past year. I'm going this over and over and over, this verse in my mind, and and exploring it and asking the questions about myself. You know, those who put their hand to the plow and turn back are not fit for service. I want to be fit for service. And I don't even care what area that is. I want to be fit for service in the kingdom of God. And so ultimately, we'll be coming from Luke chapter 9, but we're going to talk about a lot of different verses today. And those different verses are going to be on your screen. Last week, well, a couple of weeks ago, we realize the importance of teaching our kids to grow up 
to be fit. Teaching our kids to grow up to know who Jesus is. To, to find it important in their lives. To feed them spiritually healthy things. Last week, we asked the question as we really started getting into the series, do I even want to be fit for service? Do I want to be fit for service? Serving Jesus provides not only for His people, provides for the people of this creation right now, but it also fosters our own growth and gives all of us a ministry and a mission and a purpose every time we wake up in the morning. I want to tell you something. There are some folks that go through their lives, wake up every morning and wonder why I'm here. What am I doing? What's the point of it all? If you're sitting here today thinking about, learning about, discovering who Jesus is, you don't have to ask that question. You never have to wrestle with that question. I wonder if it's worth me being around. I wonder if life's worth it. All this stuff. You have a very important mission, a job, something that, that continues to pay dividends throughout all of eternity. No matter where you find yourself. That's something that can't be taken away from you if you take that seriously. A lot of things can be taken away from us, you know. Jobs can be taken away. Um, Family can pass away. Uh, Our freedom can be taken away. I mean, all kinds of things can be taken away. But that can't. This mission, this purpose, this identity that you have, that Jesus gave you every time you open your eyes in the morning, that's a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful thing. So we have that. Are we willing? Do do we desire to be fit for service in the kingdom? If we think about the question, are you fit? Or if we think about the scenario of Jesus saying you're not fit, does that instill fear in us, an uncomfort in us? Or do we look also at Jesus and his sacrifice, his love, what he's done for you, what he's done for me, and respond in kind of service and love and care for his people? Do I want to be fit? for service. Well, now I ask the question, am I fit? Okay, I want to be fit. I want to serve in this kingdom, whether it's in this church or whether it's at my job or whether it's in my home or wherever I am in the world. I want to be fit for service in this kingdom. Am I fit for service? And again, forget about what capacity. Just, just, Forget about that. You might be thinking about teaching. You might be thinking about singing. You might be thinking about evangelizing. You might be thinking all this stuff. Forget about that. Wipe that from your mind right now because we're not to that question yet. We're going to get to that, but we're not there. Why do I want that taken out of your mind? Because that can be very misleading sometimes. Sometimes you ask the question, am I fit for service in the kingdom of God? You come in here, you sit down, and you, I don't know, pick something. You see Wes playing a song or, and, and, and singing a song and playing the piano, and you say to yourself, well, there's just no way I can do that. I wonder if I'm fit for service. There's just no way I can teach that lesson. I, I must not be fit for service. Forget about the specific area, okay? We're not, we're not there yet. We're just asking, am I fit for service? It can also be misleading the other way. You show up to a particular place, a particular ministry, even a particular church, and say, honestly, I really don't buy into this whole Jesus thing. It's not my thing, you know? Uh, but I, I do have a couple of skills that I can use for this group and this body. I guess maybe I am fit for service in the kingdom of Jesus. You're not fit to serve the things you don't believe in. You're not fit to serve the things you don't care about. All right? Regardless of what your ability might be. Okay? So... Forget about where, forget about how. 
We're just asking the question, am I fit for service? And so I want you to realize that there is something that you can provide, something you can offer. It was Einstein, right, that said everybody's a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, he's always going to think he's a loser, right? Everybody's got a place and a role, a thing they can do in their service. Might not even be in these four walls, but we can serve in the kingdom of God. So we'll get to that later. I'm asking the question, am I fit? Number one, if I'm asking if I'm fit for service in Jesus' kingdom, do I believe in Jesus? More than that, do I believe in Jesus of the Bible? Do I believe in Jesus of the Bible? Unfortunately, it is necessary to add of the Bible to that. Because human beings have a tendency really to rewrite history uh, and, and, and make Jesus into something we think he ought to be. Or make him act in a way we think he ought to act. Uh, and, and, and we end up giving our lives or thinking we give our lives over to that made-up picture. What you're doing is giving your life over to a figment of your imagination. That's it. You're trusting your eternal survival to your imagination when we invent our own picture of the character of Christ. And so the question is not, do I believe in Jesus or my picture of Jesus or somebody else's picture of Jesus? Do I believe in Jesus portrayed in the Word of God with all of the things I like about Jesus? And let's just be honest for a second, all the things he says that I don't like, right? All the things he says that I think, man, I'd give anything if that wasn't true. (laughs) I'd give anything if I didn't have to do that or if I didn't have to think that way. That's hard stuff. So there's things we like. And things we don't like, but that's Jesus. Don't trust your eternal survival to your imagination. Colossians chapter 1, this is where you get this wonderful picture of Jesus. For he has rescued us, that's God the Father, rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his Son that he loves, in whom we have redemption, that is to be bought back, the forgiveness of sins. Listen closely now, the Jesus we're talking about, the Son is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. He's not created, he's begotten, but he's the firstborn. That is, he has all the authority, all the power. For in him, that is Jesus, in Jesus all things were created. Things in heaven and earth, visible, invisible, thrones, powers, rulers, authorities, everything's created by Jesus, through Jesus, and for Jesus. He's before all things. And in Jesus Christ, God the Son, everything that you can think of holds together. Through Jesus, in Jesus, he holds it all together. He's the head of the body, by the way. He's the boss here. He's in charge. He's the head of the body, the church. He even wrote down his expectations. That was convenient. He's in charge here. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. He died and rose again, showing what you and I have the chance to do through him. He's the firstborn from among the dead, so that everything, he's king. That's what that is. The buck stops with him. Starts with him, stops with him. Everything. Your life, all creation, love, forgiveness, peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, all this wonderful thing begins and ends with Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. And that's the picture we see. You can continue on in Colossians 1 if you'd like to and read ahead. Is this the same thing as desiring to serve in the kingdom? See, somebody may say that. Well, wait a minute. I believe in Jesus. Isn't that the same thing as desiring to serve? Or I desire to serve in the kingdom of Jesus. Isn't that the same thing as believing in him? I wouldn't be too quick about that. You've heard of a man named Judas who wanted to participate in the ministry of Christ. He had the desire to participate. He accepted the call of Christ. But he didn't believe in Jesus. 
He didn't believe all the stuff Jesus was saying. He didn't have faith in him. That's trust in him. And we're led to believe this in the summary of his life. In Acts chapter 1, when they're trying to uh, uh, replace Judas in this apostolic ministry, I'm going to start verse 24. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two uh, you have chosen to take over the apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Pretty harsh words. They go where he belongs. Wait a minute, isn't this somebody who wanted to serve? Isn't this somebody who walked around with the disciples, went through the same trials and the dangers and the hardships? Isn't this somebody who met Jesus? Jesus called him, he accepted the call. Isn't that, doesn't he believe in Jesus? No, desire and belief is not the same thing. Don't think that it is. I want to be here in the church. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to serve here. I want to, do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in Jesus? Because I understand you can do a lot of things. That's fine. But do you believe in Jesus? Because we're talking about being fit for the eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ, whether it's in this church or out of this church. Do I read the Bible and say to myself, you know, I think this stuff is true. I think this stuff is true. Do I believe in Jesus of the Bible? You know, Simon the sorcerer from Acts chapter 8, that's another great example. He wanted to participate in the ministry of the apostles. But he was really more interested in the power that they were showing. He even tried to buy the Holy Spirit. We'll 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 go back to Simon here one of these days when we talk about generosity. He tried to buy his way into the church, buy his way into the ministry, buy his way into service with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 8, 18 through 22, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Sounds like his mind's in the right place, or at least what he's trying to do. Peter answered, may your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry. I mean, they're casting him out because your heart is not right before God. He wanted to be there. He had the desire to serve, but he didn't believe in Jesus. He wasn't giving his life over to Jesus. This wasn't the driving force behind what he wanted to do. Luckily, it wasn't all lost for him in verse 22. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. Hopefully, that's what he did. The point is this. Desire to serve is not the same thing as believing in Jesus of the Bible. Desire to serve is not the same thing as trusting Jesus with our lives or our very identity. And by the way, this leads to another question. Number one, do I believe in Jesus of the Bible? Number two, have I made the decision to give my life to Jesus? I may think everything in here is true, but what do I do with it? I may read this and say, yeah, I agree. What do I do now? Where do I go? What's my next step? What's my next move? Have I given my life to Jesus? Why? Because Jesus wants us to serve him in his kingdom. Jesus doesn't want me to serve me in his kingdom. Jesus wants me to serve him in his kingdom. Bottom line is this, do I trust Jesus? I believe in him, do I trust him? Am I willing to carry my cross? We've talked about that at length a million times, right? Carry your cross does not mean go through hardship. Literally doesn't mean that at all. I don't know why we use it that way. Well, it's just my cross to bear. That's completely not what that means. Am I willing to die to self? That's what that means. Carry my cross. Am I willing to say, my life no longer belongs to me anymore, it belongs to Jesus? That's what carrying my cross is. Luke 9, now we get back to Luke 9, 59 through 60. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, 
let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. In other words, the man said, look, I want to serve, just not now. I want to serve in the kingdom, the desire is there, just not today. I, I want to serve in the kingdom, but I'm not willing to go through my own death, burial, and resurrection. And it's important to make this distinction when wondering about our being fit. Because service in the kingdom of Christ, service in the eternal kingdom of God, is the same thing as saying serving Jesus. And what have we heard before in Scripture about serving two masters? You can't do it. You can't do it. It's not going to happen. It's not possible. It may, we may think it's possible, right? We may think it's possible to serve Jesus and serve me. You know, I'm going to serve myself and I'm going to serve Jesus. I'm not going to give my life over to Jesus, but I do believe this whole thing. So I'm going to serve both of us. We think that's possible because on day one, me and Jesus are stepping alone together. <laughs> but then there's day two and day three and day four and day five and year number 20. Eventually, if I'm serving me and I'm trying to serve Jesus, we're going to clash. There's going to be an impasse someplace and I'm going to have to make a decision. Do I want to serve Jesus, or do I want to serve me? You can't serve two masters. So if I'm going to serve in Jesus' kingdom, have I given my life over to Jesus? Matthew chapter 6, nobody can serve two masters. You're going to hate one and love the other. you be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and mammon. And I don't want you to get fixated on that word mammon here. We have many other masters besides money if we allow it to dictate our lives, mainly ourselves or our pride, or our fear, our comfort, our station, our position, our title, our reputation. By the way, if you want to serve Jesus Christ, you better not even hope to hang on to your reputation. Guarantee you, that's going to change. Promise you. Just know, by the way, just know it going into it. I want to serve Jesus. I know that my reputation is going to change. In people's minds, in their lives, and in their eyes, it's going to be hard for me to take. It's going to be a sting right up front. But I know it's going to happen. Don't let that be master of you. See, this is what we do with our pride or our fear or reputation, comfort, job, title, whatever it is. I would really like to serve Jesus. I'd really like to help here. I'd really like to go here. I'd really like to do that thing. But then our pride says, nope. And what do we do with our pride? We say, yes, sir. Our fear says, nope. And what do we do with our fear? We say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Our title of reputation. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You're in charge. You're in charge. That's what we do with this master. Or we give our lives to Jesus, and he's our master. You see, that's, that's what life is. That's what real life is. Giving your life over to Jesus. You can't serve two masters. If you're going to be fit for service in the kingdom of God, you give your lives over to Jesus. After all, that's our purpose. We learned last week, Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer yourselves as a sacrifice, a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing, special to God. This is your reasonable act of worship. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. That's what you're trying to do anyway. That's where you're trying to get to offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to Jesus. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the way, then you're going to be able to be in step with Jesus. You're going to be able to test and approve what God's desire is for you in your life and in your service. 
By the way, speaking of transformation, this is where the sanctification part comes in. Number three, do I believe in Jesus? Have I given my life to Jesus? Number three, do I repent? Do I repent? Is this, is this a way of life? Is it a habit in my life? And I have specifically asked the question that way. Do I repent, not have I repented? Do I repent, not have I repented? In fact, that was revealed to me a while back. So you've got you to quit seeing it that way. It's do I repent? Sometimes we get in the habit of thinking that repentance is expressing sorrow or remorse, and, and that's all part of it. But remember, repentance is a change in direction. That's what it is. That's literally the definition, a change in direction. I call it change in velocity of your life. Right? Velocity is a change in speed, but it's also a change in direction. Right? Change in velocity of your life. And sometimes we think that repentance is a moment. I get up and I accept Jesus Christ and I'm baptized into the body and I repent. Good. Good for you. That's fantastic. Make the decision to change direction. But tomorrow, you're going to be confronted with a problem. You're going to be confronted with a temptation. You're going to be confronted with a disagreement. You're going to be confronted with something that doesn't go perfect. You're going to be confronted whatever it is. In that moment, you've got to make that decision again. Am I going to do what the old person did? Or am I going to do what the new person does because I follow Jesus? Now, I hate to tell you this. But the day after that, something else. And then something else. And then something else. And then something else. And as we go through this, we are being sanctified. Perfected. Purified. If I want to know if I am fit for service in the kingdom of Jesus Christ, do I put it in my head and my heart every day, every moment, every chance, everything that I notice anyway, I get the chance to repent. Here's what the old person did. Here's what the new person is now going to do. So I don't want you to look at it anymore as, have I repented? That's almost like a day, a moment, a thing, a decision, and then we move on and we forget about it. Now the question is, do I repent? Is that a habit in my life? And then we're going to repent. We're going to repent every day for, you know, a year. And then we're going to repent every day for 20 years. Then we're going to repent every day for 60 years. And then 70 and then 80. And all of a sudden, we're going to look back and we're going to say, wow, I've really changed. I've really changed. I've been, I've been, you know, God's been working on me through this constant following Jesus rather than following the way of the old self. Luke chapter 9, verse 61, still another said, I will follow you, Lord. Listen closely now, but first let me go back. Let me go back. Jesus says, "Uh uh-uh, uh-uh. We're moving forward, cowboy. Don't go back. We're moving forward. Jesus wants to go in one direction. I want to go in a different direction, even doubling back on an old life, an old attitude, an old way of thinking. Forget that stuff. One of the hardest parts of serving in the kingdom of God is wanting to serve, having the desire to serve, believing in Jesus, but not wanting to change. Not wanting to change and deliberately change. This is what sanctification is all about. To give yourself over to Jesus and know that repentance is a part of it. Fourth thing, do I get to know Jesus? Do I get to know Jesus? Do I believe in Jesus? Have I given my life to Jesus? Do I repent? Do I get to know Jesus? 
Because I, I get all three of those, those things, all three of the first ones, you can do without really getting to know. Now we get in to this walk with Jesus. Now we spend life together. This is a desire. This is a pursuit. This is, uh, I've told you this before. Sometimes people think this is harsh. Sometimes they don't. But we're talking about your life here, so I think it's important. If your interaction with Jesus is a half hour on Sunday morning, you don't know Jesus, okay? So stop with that. If, if all you interact with Christ with is this, in all seriousness, this feeble teaching for a half hour on Sunday morning, you don't know who Jesus is. You can. You can. You may believe in Jesus. You may have given your life to Jesus. I'm not taking that away. I'm not the gatekeeper. But I mean, know him. Know him as a daily walk. Know him as an exploration of who he is. More than that, to know him is experiential. You go through the decision together. You go through life together. You go through the hard times and the good times together. We were talking about something in the elders meeting the other day, and it was just for this particular moment. It was, our, it was just our battle cry for this one thing that we were facing, and everybody around the table kept saying it, the right thing no matter what. Just something we were addressing. The right thing no matter what. No matter what happens. And in this moment, this was a time of, of knowing Jesus. You know, this idea, this, 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 this way he acts, this way he carries himself, the way he sees the world, his ministry, the right thing no matter what. Don't care about the outcome. I care about doing the right thing. We experience that with him. Do you get to know Jesus? For scriptural study, prayer, spiritual disciplines, but sharing life together. We talked about this a little bit a couple weeks ago. We used the example of Paul in Philippians chapter 3. I want to know Christ, he says. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to participate in his sufferings. You want to know how much I want to know Christ, says Paul? I want to participate in his sufferings. I want to become like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Verse 12, look, I haven't, I'm not there yet. I haven't obtained all this but I still strive for my goal. I like what MacArthur says about this. To know Christ is not simply to have an intellectual knowledge about him. Paul uses the Greek verb here that means to know experientially, to know personally. It's the equivalent of sharing every moment with Jesus. That's how you get to know Jesus. That's how you get to know anybody. Can we just use some common sense through here? That's how you get to know anybody, right? I can know your name and I can know the name of Jesus. I can know what Jesus did for me. I can ask you what you do. But if that's the extent of our interaction, I don't know you. And you don't know me. I can know who Jesus is, where he came from, and I can know what he does or what he did for me. But that doesn't mean I know him. That doesn't mean we're close. I'm still getting to know people that I've known my whole life. Still getting to know them. They shock you sometimes, right? But hey, that's part of the adventure. That's part of the fun. Get to know Jesus is to spend your life with him. We cannot end our pursuit of a life with Christ with the introduction alone. No matter how much we believe it, no matter how much we think we might know, to get to know him is to begin to know everything about him. You'll never get there. He's God, you're not. But it's the pursuit of getting to know Jesus. That's number four. Number five, can I be taught? Can I be taught? 
church, I'm telling you, I went through this last week. Someone teaching me in a, an abrupt way. And I needed every lesson. I needed every moment. In fact, I even sat down with him. I said, this, this is a teachable moment for me. Thank you for this. Thank you for this. I had to swallow a little pride. I've got plenty left, though, right? I can swallow it all day long. Swallow a little pride. And it was, it ended up being an incredible moment. Can I be taught? Not do you have the ability, but are you willing to be taught? If you're willing to be taught, by the way, you're in good company. The disciples were taught. They, they were with Jesus all the time. They lived with him, asked questions that sometimes you and I think kind of silly questions because we have 2,000 years of reading the Word of God. They're learning all of this stuff. Paul went out into the wilderness by himself to actually be instructed and taught through the Holy Spirit to reveal to him the mysteries of the gospel. He didn't know everything there was to know, and Paul was a brilliant man. Apollos. Apollos is probably the best example I see in Scripture. Apollos is, is a teacher. He's a preacher. And not only is he a teacher or preacher, he is very well known. He's well known for his teaching, his eloquence. He's known for his wisdom. He's known, everybody knows in the church who Apollos is. But even Apollos needed taught. Acts chapter 18, meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man. All right, this is before he even shows up here. He was a learned man. He'd already been instructed. He was was a smart guy, brilliant guy. He was a learned man before he even got to Ephesus. With what? With thorough knowledge of the Scriptures. Would you consider yourself having thorough knowledge of the Scriptures? Some of you would, some of you wouldn't. But this is Apollos, a learned man with thorough knowledge of the Scriptures. I might have picked the wrong example here. Hold on. Make sure I got the right guy. Verse 25. He'd been instructed in the way of the Lord. This is before he got to Ephesus, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately. Maybe I did pick the wrong guy. If there's anybody who doesn't need taught, it's Apollos. If there's anybody who's willing to walk around and you know, say, hey, look, I know all there is to know. I'm the one who should be teaching you. You don't need to teach me. Whatever it is, pick something. Whether it's biblical knowledge or a million other things that we can do in life. All right? If anybody doesn't need to be taught, it's Apollos. No, he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. Priscilla and Aquila were there. They knew he was in town, so they went to listen to him. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited Apollos to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. Think about that. And the brother's famous. And he still needs to be taught. And he went. Willingly, knowing that they were going to lead him. He applied it to his life. He applied it to his ministry. He applied it to his skill. Pick any skill in the world. And he applied it to that. And what was the payoff? The payoff was this, verse 27, when Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. 
He refuted Jewish opponents in debate. He proved through Scripture that Jesus was the Messiah. He added, it didn't take anything away from it. It added to him. See, sometimes we think, well, I don't need to be taught, or I don't want to take the time, or I don't want to be humble enough to be taught. There's so many teachable moments in life, and many times those teachable moments come in the form of something uncomfortable and something we don't want to do. And we can be taught. I have grown just in the past couple of weeks because of conversations, serious conversations and hard ones and teachable moments. For me, they were incredible things, incredible things. Changed my whole perspective. Today's a big day for me. Today was the first time I've participated in communion in a year and two weeks. Um, because of teachable moments over the past couple of weeks that were hard to go through and brought about a life of, this moment of incredible joy for me. Okay, so if you find yourself in a moment, a, a teachable moment, and you think, this is, this is hard, I hate this, I'd give anything to not be here, not do this, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm whatever... Guys, you've got to change the way you see that. You can be taught in that moment. And it can open up a piece to you that you, you thought you'd lost. You thought you'd lost. Anyway. And that's why. That's why for about a year and a half, every Sunday, because of, of some of these things, I was distracted. I wasn't guilty, but I was distracted. I was distracted every day. And... You know, I teach that those types of distractions need to be resolved before you come to the altar, you know. And it was a beautiful day, a beautiful day, sort of. It is pretty, you know. It's pain, but pretty, right? Yeah, I dated her once, too. Um, All right, number six. And this is probably the most important thing. Will I or do I practice agape love. Do I practice agape love? Remember what agape love is. It is a decision to show love to people around you. By the way, don't pick and choose. I'm going to show love to him and her, not him. No, it's a decision to show love to people around you. It's not genuine affection, all right? Genuine emotional affection. We'll get there. That leads to that kind of thing. Phileo love, storge love. Arrow's love, not that. That's between husband and wife. But the other types of love. But do I practice agape love? Do I make the decision to practice agape love, to show love to the people around me? If you're curious about what that looks like, you can find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. To show love to those around me. Why do I say that this is the most important thing? Because we've talked about believing in Jesus. We've talked about giving your life to Jesus. Shouldn't we start there? Wouldn't that be the most important thing? I mean, how is it that you're going to treat showing agape love as the most important thing when it comes to service in the kingdom of Christ? I think it's one of the biggest obstacles. But I want you to remember what we heard last week in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You can read a number of these things. But Paul basically says, Look, if I can do everything there is 
in ministry. If I can even go so far as to tell a mountain to move from here to there because of my faith, but I don't have love, read the last line there. I'm nothing. Nothing. You see, I genuinely do picture this time before Christ. Not in judgment. I don't think that's the way that works. I've given my life to Christ. There's no future judgment for me. There's forgiveness. But I do. Picture this conversation between me and Jesus. And he says, tell me about it. How was it? What'd you do? Oh, you're going to love this, Jesus. I was a preacher. I learned the Bible. I told people about the Bible. I sang songs in church. He says, no, 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 no. What'd you do? What'd you do? Okay, um, uh, I, I, I don't lie. I watched my anger change my temper. You used to have a very bad temper. You know that. And we, I changed that. And um, um, I gave, you know, from, from what I had, time, treasure, and talent. He said, no, no, no. What'd you do? What'd you do? Because according to his word, right now, so far, John, you've told me nothing. You've told me nothing. Nothing. Who'd you love? How was it shown? How did you take the love that I showed you on the cross, and how did you treat people around you with that love? Because I've already told you through my servant Paul that all that other stuff you're telling me without love is nothing. It's a waste of time. It's nonsense. You add agape love, the decision to show love to people around you. The same thing I did on the cross, says Jesus. Now you got something. Now you got something. Paul was no fool. He knew this. You need to know it as well. I need to know it as well. See, when we talk about being fit for service in the kingdom of God, and you, and you talk about whether or not I'm, I'm good at, you know, teaching a lesson or singing a song, or uh, whether I'm good at, uh, I don't know, name it. A million things we do in ministry. And you're wondering whether or not you're fit for service? That's not the place to start, church. The place to start is whether or not I'm going to make the decision to show agape love to people around me. Jesus doesn't care if you can move a mountain. If you don't have love. If you don't love the people of his kingdom, of his church. If you don't raise your kids to love. If you don't spend time with your spouse talking about and understanding what it is to love one another and love the church. You see, that's where it starts. That's the most important thing. Sometimes it is one of the hardest things that we can do. And because it's hard, when you're talking about being fit for service, I want you to make sure you count the cost. The cost can be high if you're going to serve the kingdom of Jesus. The result, the payoff, is far higher. I mean, it's not even close, all right? But the cost is high. The cost is high. The cost is showing love to that person, frankly, you just don't get along with. I know not all of you have that in your life. It's showing humility and love to Christ. It's believing in what Jesus says. It's doing the right thing, no matter the cost. No matter the cost. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. 
We thank you that we are challenged today. Father, I know, I know, and you know, we don't do this perfectly. We, we, we mess up on stuff like this all the time. So, Father, I ask that you put the desire and, and the desire of the pursuit of being sanctified in our lives and in our hearts. I thank you for it, Father. I thank you that we have this gift, this, this, this moment that we can address and we can see ourselves in the mirror, ask ourselves, are we fit? Do I want to be fit? And to pursue these wonderful things in life, Jesus, more than anything else, to show love to those around us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand and sing. my notes. Have a good day. <laughs> I hope you're challenged. I really do by, by what we've heard. Look, I, I can't promise you that what we talked about